Welcome to the inaugural episode of Puck and Pigskin, analysis and discussion of everything that takes place between the creases and the end zones. I'm your host, Shane Marazon. Thank you for listening. We've got an amazing show on deck, a lot going on. We've got the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend, and we've also got, you know, close to halfway through the NHL season. So we're going to have a lot to talk about today. We're going to go through every one of the NFL games this weekend. And then we're going to discuss some major themes over the first half of the NHL season and projections going forward. And then we are going to, if we have time, have a small uh, discussion on the on a couple betting parlays and things for uh, Wild Card Sunday. So let's jump right in with the first game of the Super Wild Card Sunday slate, which is the Raiders and Bengals at 4.30 Eastern Time. This, to me, is going to actually probably be one of the more high octane games of the weekend um some of the other candidates for that just weather or whatever don't seem to be lining up right like the bills patriots that could be a very low scoring dull game but we'll get into that later so I believe this is going to be a fairly high-scoring game. When you take into consideration, these are teams that get to pass the ball a lot. There's a lot of high-scoring, um, and the Bengals actually have the most um, touchdowns of over 20 yards or 30 yards. Um, and so I, I believe this is going to be a quick strike game. I think they're going to be. Uh, it's going to be high-scoring. I think it's going to be probably you know 30, 27, something in that range. I think it'll be a relatively close game, but I do believe the Bengals are going to come out on top. I just think. That the Raiders have struggled all year um, when it comes to closing out games, especially like they were up 19 points or whatever it was last week against the Chargers. And I do think that the Bengals have a better defense than the Chargers did. So, and I think they have just as potent in an offense. And with T. Higgins coming back, I think that's going to be a very interesting game. Um, I think the Bengals are going to win. It would not. This is one of the games where it wouldn't totally shock me if the Raiders pulled off an upset. I think the the Bengals are still a very young team. I think that they are going to continue to grow. Burrow's in only his second year. And so I think that it'd be okay for them to lose. And I think the Raiders are going to be playing for everything, especially given their coaching situation. Derek Carr having missed the last time he carried them to the playoffs in 2016 when he broke his leg. So I think they have more riding on this game. If you were going to ask me who needs the win more, I would say the Raiders. Um, but it would not totally surprise me if they did win. So this is one of my shocker upsets of the week. Um, but I think it'll be a very entertaining game, and I think it was a very good choice for uh, the opening game of the wildcard weekend. I think it'll be entertaining. Um, so that'll get us off to a good start. Now, next game can be really good, could be really bad. We have no idea. It's the Patriots at Bills. The current, uh, the last estimate on the weather I've seen was about three degrees uh, Fahrenheit with a wind chill of negative 10 degrees. And however, it doesn't appear to be nearly as windy as it was last time they played in Buffalo, which made the game boring. And I hope that doesn't happen because their second time they played a couple weeks ago was much more entertaining. And I hope that continues. Um, I, however, the Patriots have not not been good. Like, not even just whatever. Mac Jones has had a serious decline in the last couple weeks um, in stats as well as just the eye test. He's not looked good in the last several weeks. 
And Josh Allen, I think, has been looking better. Uh, Stefan Diggs, him and that connection has been doing really well over the last month or so. And so I just, I think that unless the weather plays a huge factor like it did the first time that they played in week 13, I don't see this going any way but Buffalo's way. In the last four weeks of the season after the bye, Mac Jones has six touchdowns and five interceptions and not good on passing either, passing yards either. He's team. So the Cowboys are not going to get the picks from Trayvon Diggs. They're not going to get, you know, it's going to be... And it's not just simple runs where Parsons can demolish by just playing simple A to B uh, defense. It's a lot more complex running. It's a lot more trick runs. And it's a lot more things that might trip uh, trip up Michael Parsons. And so I think it's going to be a handful. And I think it's going to run the clock. That's what the 49ers do. They like to take giant chunks of clock. Um, and I don't think that with Ezekiel and Tony Pollard not playing well recently, they don't have a stellar record when they don't rush 100 yards and I don't see that with Joey Bosa uh Nick Bosa and the rest of that 49ers front four so I I think this is a game that we're once again going to see the Cowboys one and you're done in the playoffs um now this is the probably most boring game of the weekend the Steelers versus Chiefs I think Ben summarized it really well they're not a good team they are the 14 out of the 14 of the playoff teams they don't deserve to be here and it's really ridiculous that they are there and the Chargers are not because they have a stupid tie with um with the Lions of all people like the Chargers are a far better team and should have been in not Pittsburgh this is a little bit ridiculous um I think Ben was right they're gonna get their ass handed to them uh I don't know if it'll be quite as big as the spread of 12 and a half but they're not winning now you've got one of very good game Monday night at 8 15 you've got the Cardinals at Rams so the first time the Cardinals played at the Rams this year they whomped them it was like 45 something it was it was a very one-sided game but we also know cliff kingsbury is not very good in the second half of in the second half of the season um honestly i think if they lose this game and it's not close um and even if it is close if they lose this game i think cliff kingsbury might be on the hot seat i know it's his third year there and they made the playoffs and his records improved every year i get it but i'm sorry they just fall apart in the back half of the year and you can't even say when murray was injured because when he was the big fall apart murray was back you've got to be able to coach with injuries. For God's sakes, Tampa Bay has missed everybody and they're still winning. So I, I think that can have a lot of ramifications. I, some people are talking about Stafford, oh, he's got to prove it or whatever. I, I don't think there's that much pressure on him. I think they've got a three-year window, like this year, next year, and the following year before we start to really get serious about whether or not it was a bad idea for the trade to go through. And so that's that's mostly my thoughts on the football, the overarching thoughts. Um, themes I'm going to be looking most forward to are probably the Raiders, Bengals, the 49ers, Cowboys, and the Cardinals, Rams. I think those are probably going to be the closest games. I think they're going to be the most competitive games. And so I really hope to have a great uh, wildcard weekend. So transitioning to hockey, we've got most teams are it, it's because of the cancellations and things there's a very widespread on the number of games but we're generally in between the like 35 to 40 game range right now of games played i think the max out right now is a team has no it's like okay so it's like 30 yeah like 34 to 40 i think anaheim has 40 games most teams are closer to 48 or 44 but so i'm gonna talk about a couple things um but first and foremost i'm gonna talk about the uh mvp award the Hart Trophy. I think that if things stay the same as they are right now, 
that is going to be given to Alex Ovechkin. He is one point currently behind, uh, he's one point behind uh, both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl for the points lead. He has two less goals than Leon Dreisaitl and his assists are in the top uh, top six um, at 28. And he's also been playing with an injury of late. And then here's the big thing though that I think um, is really important. His plus minus, it's gone down a little bit because of the last couple games have not been great, but his plus minus all season has been hovering around 1920 at the top of the league. And so if he ends up in the top of the league there, I, I don't know who else you can give it to, especially because you can tell Leon Dreisaitl, most of his points have come on the power play. He has 13 power play goals through almost half the year. Vechkin does not even come close to that number. I think he has like five or six power play goals. And then if you go, and the same thing is true of assists for both uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl. And it's something you notice. They have a lot more hot and cold spells where they will get big chunks of points, but then stay dormant for several weeks. And I think that that's something you got to look at. But I think the other reason I think it would go to Ovechkin at this point is because I think Dreisaitl and McDavid cannibalize their own, each other's votes. I think you have the added effect of, um, you have the added effect of the story of the 36 year old Ovechkin. If he comes close or does lead the league in points or goals, um, I think that story is going to compel. And I think people have a little bit of a Dreisaitl and McDavid, you know, like malaise. Like, I, I think, you know, they're like, okay, yeah, they're very good, but they're on the same team and they get most of their points in the power play and they go on big hot and cold dry spells and you know they've gotten it the last couple of years this is a better story and I think people can't discount the fact that stories matter in the in MVP voting in every league no matter what um so I definitely think we've got a very big chance there that Alex Ovechkin ends up winning I believe his fourth heart trophy and then let's talk about the president's trophy I think that the president's trophy the team with the most points is most likely looking like it's going to end up being Carolina they currently are in fourth but they also out of all the top 10 teams they have the fewest games played outside of Colorado so I think it's really a battle between Colorado and Carolina right now Carolina is playing so darn well in every facet of the game uh, their goalie has um, come back to earth a little bit um, since the beginning of the season so I don't think he's gonna end up winning the, uh, the Vesna. I think honestly I'm looking at Igor Shesterkin and Charlie uh, Charlie Lidgren um, I believe but most I think more so Shesterkin because I don't think Lindgren has that many game as many games this year um, so I, I think he's got like five starts this year so I think it's most likely going to be Igor Shesterkin um, but their goalie has been been playing well all year. He's top five in every major category. Goals against 2.08 at number five. Save percentage. He's fallen a little bit, but 926, still pretty darn good. Um, wins. I think he's, you know, top three. So shootouts. He's, you know, it's he hasn't and he hasn't done it with a lot of shootouts. I, I think their offense is potent. Their deep the defensive moves they made over the offseason, their defense looks much improved. That was my big gripe on them the last couple of years, is that their defense could be taken advantage of at times. And in long seven game series, that that's an issue. Um, Colorado's always good. You know, they had a slow start and honestly of late, they've been playing probably the best in the NHL. Um, 
So, yeah, I definitely think it's probably going to be Carolina. You have a chance at Colorado, but they play in a difficult division. So does Carolina. But it's going to be one of those two teams unless something drastically changes. The other teams in contention have issues. Um, Washington uh, haven't won in 2020 yet, and they've got they've got mediocre goaltending. You know, you've got the hot and cold Toronto. Nashville is hot right now, but I don't. you don't really see them being consistent. And there's Florida and Tampa, which I could see winning it, but they've played like Tampa has 55 points tied with Florida, but Tampa has played 39 games, Florida 37, but Carolina's only played 34 games. So I th- really believe it's going to be Carolina or Colorado. Um, and I think Carolina might have a chance at the cup this year, but we'll get into full season predictions later. Now, for my overall thoughts on the season so far, I think it's been okay. Honestly, I think last year they handled COVID better. Um, I, I get that you have the Omicron vi- virus uh, variant, but even with the Omicron variant, you should have better things in place for non-symptomatic players. If the player is not symptomatic, it should not be a uh, seven days or 10 days or whatever it is that they have, uh, have in place. Um, you see a lot more teams affected by it. And then the arbitrary way that they're canceling games is really bad. Like they, they're canceling games for some teams when two players get COVID and then when a team's got, but not when a team's got six, it's, it's really arbitrary. There should be a finite like threshold. If this many people in the organization or this many people of the bench uh bench personnel so players and the coaches on the bench and maybe some of the equipment staff and stuff um if there's a certain number of people who get it there should be an exact threshold of okay we're canceling the game and we'll reschedule it so that's that's my thoughts on the overall the way the season handling is going um but from a entertainment from an enjoyment standpoint i think it's been a very good season i have to praise the nhl for their new espn deal i live at a market of the team i like to watch and the way that this espn plus um, has worked is phenomenal. Uh, you don't only get to watch every out of market game that's not being nationally televised. Um, if you have ESPN plus, which is included in the Disney bundle with Hulu and a lot of people have that. So I think it's very good for bringing attention to the sport when people are just strolling through ESPN plus looking for something to watch. Um, I also love the fact that you get to choose which broadcast you want to listen to. So you can listen to your team's broadcast of it, of the game. And so I I think that is a phenomenal thing the NHL has done. I think it is going to greatly improve viewership. Um, the way they had it before with NHL TV and then center ice on TV, on actual TV versus NHL TV on the app or whatever, where they weren't very compatible, especially if you had certain TV providers, it was never worth it for me to buy because of that. But now that it's on ESPN Plus, it's every single game. It's much more accessible because I can watch it on the go. I can watch it. It's good. The NHL did a good job with this deal. Um, Um, Now, one thing we've seen this year, and it's something I've talked about in the past with people I know and other shows I've been on, um, that I talked about last season, and what I thought about last season, which was there were two teams I wanted everyone to keep an eye on, and I was laughed at, literally laughed at, and those two teams are Anaheim and Los Angeles Kings. You know where they sit currently in their their division, in the Pacific Division? Number two and number three, at 43 points for LA Kings and 45 points for Anaheim. Anaheim does, has played a couple more games than pretty much everyone except for Vegas who's at 39 but and the Kings are on like a 10 game uh, point streak and the reason I told everyone to watch out for them is because they're very young and very talented like the other year last year or the year before half of the USA versus Canada juniors champ world juniors championship game were either Kings or Ducks prospects and so I knew that they had things in the works they've got decent goaltending both of them and so it was only a matter of time 
time. So I told everyone to be on the watch this year and next year. So I'm very happy to report they are both currently in playoff standings. Um, one of them, I think what we'll probably end up getting is one, one make it in the, in the actual division, like of the three teams from the division make it. And I think one will make it through the wild card seating. Cause right now the two wild card teams are Minnesota and San Jose. Honestly, I don't know if they can, but I think Edmonton will turn it around and probably because they're three points back of San Jose, but have four games in hand. So I'll think they'll end up being a wild card team. And I think Minnesota is going to end up being a wild card team. They are significantly ahead of the pack for the wild card right now. Um, the Central Division is significantly ahead of rest of the pack um, in the wild card race here. So I think Edmonton might come out with one and then you get like Anaheim or whatever. But I think in the other side of the Western Conference in the Central, you've got Minnesota and Winnipeg who are going to be pushing at that door. And it's also going to depend on if Nashville can hold up the way they're playing. But so that leads me into my next point of talking about the season so far and going forward is the West. I think there's a lot more up for grabs in the playoff seat, right? I, I think right now the eight teams in are Nashville, Colorado, St. Louis from the Central, Vegas, Anaheim, and Los Angeles Kings from the Pacific. And as the wild card, Minnesota from the Central and San Jose from the Pacific. Honestly, I can see a lot of this changing. I could see both Anaheim and Los Angeles not making it. I could see one of them making it and definitely see Edmonton, Winnipeg, or Calgary making the wild card or pushing into their division. I can see Nashville falling off. I can see St. Louis falling off. There's there's a lot up for grabs, I think, in the Western Conference. However, the exact opposite is the case in the Eastern Conference. I think our playoffs are set. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any variance from right now to the end of the season in the teams. The seeding will change. It'll go up and down and move and change. But the eight teams are the eight teams, and I'm pretty sure that's what they'll be. From the Atlantic, you have Florida, Tampa, and Toronto, and their representative in the wild card is Boston. And you have from the Metropolitan, the Rangers, Carolina, Washington, and Pittsburgh, as their Pittsburgh being the wild card team from them. I don't see any of the other teams in the Eastern Conference pushing in, but I also, I think that the reason you have so many, a bit much bigger variants at the end of the wild card to the bottom of the league in the Eastern Conference as you do with the West is because I think the top of the division is much better. So you're not getting as many games dropped to the middle tier teams as you are in the Western Conference. So the eight best teams are the eight best teams and it's clear. Um, like, I don't think it's, I don't think there's much debate on the matter that, that those are the eight best teams and they are the eight teams that should. And unless something goes horribly wrong, we'll make it into the playoffs. Pittsburgh's been playing much better of late. Um, you've got Boston, Toronto, everyone here, I think deserves to be here. I don't see any other team that's probably going to make it. People have had hopes for Philly in the last, you know, while. Um, they made it a couple years ago, but they've been on a downturn and I don't really see them rebounding. They are 11 points out of the wild card spot right now, including the fact that they've played two more games than the wild card spot. So it's, I don't see it being a likely scenario that you get the, any other team making it. The seating, I think is going to flip flop and change, especially inter, uh, conference and interdivisional play continues. Now we're going to transition here into the last segment, which is the betting segment. I've got a couple bets laid this weekend, um, at, that I like there, excuse me, I misspoke. I, there are a couple bets that I like this weekend, a couple lines. Um, my two favorite lines of the week are Cincinnati minus five and a half and, um, and San Francisco plus three. Like I mentioned earlier, I think San Francisco is going to straight up win. So you can take their money line. Um, but if you want to play it safe, the plus three should be fine. 
line. Now, a lot of people are like, ooh, five and a half is a big number. But if you think it's over three, if you're power grading it as over three, then the five and a half shouldn't be a big issue to swallow the idea of that two points. Because honestly, the two biggest numbers to look for in betting are three and a half, the three with the hook, the field goal with the hook, and six and a half. Or six, honestly, but six and a half more so. Everyone used to think it was a touchdown that mattered. You know, minus seven. Oh, it's a full touchdown. But nowadays, you're actually more statistically likely to get a game ending on six-point differential. On a six-point differential. So six and a half, the hook with the one way, or five and a half, the hook the other way. And six would be a push if that were the line. So if you like them at less than a touchdown to win, taking five and a half is good. Um, I I personally like this line up to six. I wouldn't I wouldn't bet it at six and a half, and that's what I'm talking about. It's that hook. At six and a half, I don't take it. At six, I would probably put a little on it. Five and a half, I like it. Now, I talked about the San Francisco game. I think they're going to win, so taking the plus three, I think is great. Um, you get points in the scenario that they lose. Now, these other games, most of them I won't go near. I'm not going to go near the divisional Arizona v. Rams. I'm not going to go near the Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> Kansas City game, um, Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. That's just too big a number at eight and a half. Like, if that was five and a half or six, even six and a half, I would take it. But at eight and a half, I don't like it um, because it's it's over that next hook of eight of two uh, touchdown two points where you see a lot of times teams towards the ends of the games, there's an eight point difference and they're trying to get it and they miss or they're down by two touchdowns, one needing to be a uh, two point conversion and they don't get it. So they end up losing by eight. I don't like that we're on the opposite end of that eight and a half. Now, here are some of my favorite bets of the week is some of these money line. Par- I've got a co- the money line parlays. So if you want to go all out and bet the whole spread, you can. I wouldn't because I don't want to touch the uh, Rams game because I think it's going to be too competitive to call, honestly. But so like a good five game parlay of the Saturday and Sunday games are Kansas City money line. Yeah, it's not great, uh, but you don't want to add the line there because that can screw you. Bills minus four, I think is decent, uh, but now it's moved up to like four and a half. So you might not be able to get that. And the weather is dodgy, (laughs) but. The Tampa Bay money line, the Cincinnati money line, and the 49ers money line. So this is more of a risky play with the 49ers and the Bills at minus four. It ups your odds on it. Um, but I, I like this because you give me three that I think are the favorites and you give me one that is the favorite, but it's with their money line or is with their spread. And so I, I like that. It's not my favorite. Um, there's a three game parlay I think is much better. It's just going Tampa Bay, 49ers, Bengals, all money line. It gives you odds of plus 325 uh, in certain sports books. And so that's that's pretty good. Um, I think that's one that a lot of people should take into consideration. Now, these are my favorite bets to make are same game parlays. I have one on, there's one on the Bengals Raiders game, which I do, like I mentioned, think it's going to be high scoring. And I like putting same game parlays on games you expect to be high scoring is good because it means more stats are going to happen. The more stats going to happen, the better you're off. Unless you like playing the unders on uh, statistics and then you're crazy because that's a freaking heart, heart attack waiting to happen. Um, but there's this one that's I think is very good. It's plus 1,200 odds, four legs. Burrow to throw two touchdowns. It's actually over one and a half. Uh, Jamar Chase over 24 and a half yards on his longest reception. Uh, Zay Jones uh, for the Raiders at over four and a half receptions. 
and Daniel Carlson over one and a half field goals made. I think this is a very high odd um, play. I, I think even though it's plus 1200, I actually really like the odds on it. I would probably actually say there should be like plus 300. Honestly, I think a lot of these uh, uh, specific things should not have been in the plus odds. They should have been uh, as the favorite odds. Now, another one, and this is in the Arizona and Los Angeles game. And this is where I would target this game is in these parlays and prop bets. Um, so Matt Gay, two field goals, over one and a half. Kyle Murray, over one and a half. Uh, passing touchdowns, Matthew Stafford one inter- over 0.5 interceptions and Van Jefferson's longest completion uh, reception of over 18 and a half yards. Um, I really like the that as well. I think there are going to be a lot of stats. Um, I chose Matt Gay um, versus the other kicker for versus Prater. Uh, you can choose either one. You can mix and match these. Um, you could go with Stafford's uh, interception uh, touchdowns and uh, Kyler Murray's interceptions. But mixing and matching things two for two, one team and two for the other and four leg parlays is very good because then you're not raking banking on one team doing amazing. Uh, so I do believe that those are some really good odds. And I, I think, I believe that's all we've got for today. Uh, thank you for joining the inaugural episode. I know this is short notice, honestly, coming out Friday, the night before uh, Super Wildcard Weekend. But thank you for listening. Please uh, follow and share if you can. Uh, you can find this on Spotify and other uh, podcasting uh, places. Thank you very much. And have a good weekend and enjoy some fo- football and hockey.